and welcome to a Meaningful Mess podcast. I'm so stoked that you decided to listen and I hope that you enjoy. I'm your host, Andy McNair, and I'm a wife, mom, blogger, author, and passionate educator that believes in today's learners. I'm so glad that you found the podcast and I can't wait to share manageable and meaningful ideas for you to utilize in your classroom and beyond. My hope is that the ideas and strategies shared each week help you find meaning in your mess. After you listen, please feel free to subscribe, rate, and share the podcast with anyone that you think might find it helpful. You can also connect with me over on my website at andymcnair.com, on Twitter at mcnairan3, and on Facebook and Instagram at A Meaningful Mess. Thanks for being here today. Let's get started. Welcome back to a Meaningful Mess podcast. You are listening to episode 36, and today we're going to talk about PBL, right? Project-based learning. It's a big idea. It's not a secret that I'm a huge fan of passion-based learning, which I do believe is a form of PBL. But we're going to talk about today some baby steps that you can take to begin to make PBL a reality. And I'm going to share with you a little bit of the backstory of how this came to be and and even a graphic I'm going to share with you guys that you're welcome to check out and use. And and I'll talk about some different ways that you can use that. But let's just dive right in in talking about project-based learning and the role that it plays in education. You know, we are kind of in this weird place in education. I'm actually recording this during a global pandemic and um, within our educational system, things have definitely been shaken up <laughs> and and there have been some things that have been moved to the back burner and some things that have um, that we've had to put in place that I hope will stay in place moving forward. Um, PBL is one of those things that I feel like um, there are people who are completely dedicated to it and know that it works and they get so excited about it. And then there are people who um, really maybe just haven't tried it yet because it seems overwhelming and it's a lot and now's not the time. And um, then there, I mean, if we're honest, there's people who have tried it and it was an epic fail and are like, I'm never doing that again, right? I'll just stick with, stick with the way that I've been doing this. So uh, there's this this whole spectrum of of um, where you are as far as PBL goes, and regardless of where you land on that spectrum, I want to talk about um, what PBL can look like, or just some of the ideas around PBL when you don't go all in. I'm not going to lie; I'm an all in type of person. I don't think that's a secret. I'm going to do it all, and I'm going to do it all at once, and I'm going to just I'm okay with failing. I'm okay with if it's successful. Uh, that's even better. But I I realize that not everyone works that way. And that's probably a good thing. Not everyone works that way. And so it's important that we consider some different options and how we can kind of get to this idea of project-based learning, um, maybe in some baby steps, right? Just thinking through 
What are the small steps that need to be in place to kind of cultivate that idea or, or cultivate that um, PBL mindset into your classroom culture. That's what we're going for, right? So I want to talk about several of these. In fact, I'm going to share nine small steps. So get ready. If you can take notes, take notes. If you can't, that's totally fine. If you're driving, just listen. You can always go check out the blog post. And the blog post actually has a graphic with all of these on there. So no worries if you're not able to write these down. All right. So um, when we think about uh, PBL. I want to read to you how Edutopia, I was actually reading their blog, uh, one of the blogs um, from their site the other day, and I love the way that they describe PBL. And they said, it's a dynamic classroom approach in which students actively explore real world problems and challenges and acquire a, a deeper knowledge, right? And you guys know I'm all about designing for depth. I'm all about real world problems and things being meaningful. So whether you look at, I know that I've talked about PBL works, their definition of PBL as well on this podcast, regardless of whose definition you look at, um, really some of the things that we know have to be in place, real world, right? That deeper understanding of content, um, it's active, it's not passive. All of those things are good things. So it seems like really this is something we should be considering in education. And I don't think that it is too far out of the scope of reality to think about what this can look like even for our remote learners, right? Even for our kids learning from home. I believe, and I'm just gonna say this out loud, I believe that collaborative cross-curricular project-based learning experiences could be a game changer right now and could give our kids get to that level of engagement that we've been looking for. I say it all the time. Engagement is a willingness to invest in the learning and that willingness to invest in the learning is not always there. And right now we're seeing that play out in um, just the reality that we have so many kids that just aren't even invested in education right now. They're not showing up to online classes. They're not logging into the LMS all of those things. So I just want to say in my own experience, I have seen more of a willingness to invest when I made project-based learning a priority in my classroom. Now, when I first started kind of, you know, sticking my toe in the water as far as PBL goes and like, what does this look like? It, it was pretty early on in my teaching career. You know, PBL has been around for a long time. Um, but when I think about that, it was it was project based learning. So it was me designing the project, giving it to my kids them working on it. But, you know, I also think there's problem based learning where kids do solve real world problems. And then ultimately in my classroom, um, because of Genius Hour, um, I was able to move toward passion based learning, which it just so happens. They all start with the letter P, which works out. And so anytime I say PBL, um, I'm talking about all three of those things, project based learning problem-based learning, and passion-based learning. Now, I think one of the reasons that as educators, we get a little overwhelmed when we hear those words like, whoa, that's now's not the time, Andy, to be having this conversation. I think the reason that it's not more of a reality within our current educational landscape is that, um, well, several things come to mind, but I think first and foremost, it's planning, right? And implementing PBL, project-based learning, requires time to plan, time to collaborate, and time to provide feedback. And it requires kind of a different planning mindset. And that that planning can seem really, really overwhelming. Would you agree? I think that is definitely where a lot of us get hung up. Like, you know, well, this isn't something I can do because it just seems overwhelming. 
So I was actually sharing at one of my favorite conferences of the year, Gift Ed 20. If you miss that conference, man, make sure you're there next year because it is it is awesome. Um, it's actually our state conference here in Texas, um, all around gifted education. And um, we were we did this really cool thing because the conference was virtual. It was a flipped session. So I actually provided all of the content. They were able to watch that via video recorded session. And then we came together live to really talk about that. And they were able to ask questions and we were kind of we we kind of took a deep dive into PBL, which was awesome. In doing so, um, somebody happened to ask the question, hey, what would this look like if I wanted to share with my teachers and I wanted to give them some baby steps for implementing PBL? How might I do that? And I was like, gosh, I don't, I'm not sure what that would look like because I just don't operate that way. But the more I thought about it, I, you know, I kind of popped off and was like, oh, well, I, let me think about some of those baby steps. I'll create a graphic <laughs> and, and, and maybe we could do like a tic-tac-toe board and teachers could, you know, kind of just choose whatever they wanted to choose from the board, almost like a choice board. Um, and that way it wouldn't seem too risky or too overwhelming. And as I as I was talking, I was thinking to myself, like, what are what are these baby steps you're talking about? And I had no idea. Um, but as I started kind of thinking through that after the call and, and really making this choice board idea a reality, I thought, you know, there are some things that we can do every day within our learning environments, whether that be in class or with our in-class learners or our at-home learners to just kind of start cultivating this PBL mindset, right? And we want it to be manageable and we want it to be doable. Um, oftentimes on the podcast, when I talk about PBL, I say it has to be manageable and meaningful. If it's not that, nobody's going to want to do it. Um, but as I started to think about these small pieces, um, I thought through several ideas, and that's what I want to kind of share on the podcast, are these nine ideas that I think you could take and really weave into anything that you're doing in the classroom. But in doing so, you're starting to just kind of, um, I love that word, weave in that idea of, of a PBL mindset, right? How do we do this in a way that makes sense for our kids and it's not super overwhelming for them, but also for us right now as educators doing it in a way. So, uh, you know, let's be honest, project-based learning is relevant, it's collaborative, and it's meaningful, right? And, and my whole deal, my whole, everything that I believe to be true about education revolves around the idea that it has to be meaningful. And not only does it have to be meaningful as a whole, it has to be meaningful to every kid, which is like, oh my gosh, that's so hard. How do we do that? I think, I think PBL can play a big role in that. Um, okay, so let's talk through these. Um, and we're going to start with one that I share about often. But it's, it's really simple to do. I think sometimes we think it's harder than it is. And that's just outside experts, right? Cultivating this idea, you're going to hear me say that word a hundred times, but that's really what we're doing is cultivating. It's cultivating that idea that I, as the educator, don't have to know everything in order for you to experience this learning, right? I want you to know that there are people out there who know more about this than me. So I actually wanted to look up the definition. You guys know I like to look up the definition of words. So when we think about that word cultivate, it means to try to acquire or develop. So as we're implementing these baby steps, we're really developing that mindset of um, project-based learning, right? Of it being real world and it being that opportunity to go deeper and um, there was one more thing I wanted to share. I was looking back uh, for it to, 
also it's active, right? That, that's what I was looking for. It wasn't, it was downloading and there it came. Um, but also that idea of it being active and not passive. So outside experts, inviting an outside expert to share virtually with your class, right? I mean, that's something that you could do for both in-class and at-home learners. Chances are your outside expert is not going to come visit in person right now. However, we all know how to use Zoom really well or Google Meet or whatever it is that you're using. We all know how that works. And so asking an expert to join your class virtually and share what they know about a specific topic. Think about architecture, uh, perimeter and area. You could have an architect um, kind of zoom in and talk about that. You could have a zookeeper zoom in and talk about um, habitats or, or what animals. I mean, there are just so many different ideas. And, and this gives our learners that opportunity to see First of all, to see beyond the classroom. And second of all, to really understand that idea of being a lifelong learner, right? And, and being able to say that I, as the educator, I'm not the expert on this, but I am the expert on connecting you with someone who is. And so I think making that a, making that a priority is really important. Okay, number two, the second thing that I think we can do to kind of cultivate or develop this mindset in our learners is to encourage them to reflect on their learning experiences. Reflection is a big deal. Uh, remembering is what I did and how. Reflection is what I learned and why. And it is important that we ask our kids, we encourage them to reflect, 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 not just remember, but what did this learning mean to you? And what are you gonna do about it? I think that's really important and it's not difficult to do. It's building in two, three, four minutes at the end of class to where you ask them, hey, what did this mean for you? What are you gonna do with this? How can you connect it beyond the walls of the classroom? What was difficult? Um, what would you do differently next time? All of those types of questions. And it could be something that they hop on Flipgrid and do. I actually have a blog post over on my um, website, andymcnair.com. And I talk about how you can create a reflection Flipgrid and the kids just consistently use that to reflect every single day. So I'll make sure I share that in the show notes. Okay, so reflection, big deal. Not remembering, but reflecting. All right, next is product creation right? Showing what you know. And I'm actually going to be doing a podcast on this soon um, and give you guys some options for this. But creating products is, is a big part of PBL, right? Having something to show for the work that you've put in or what you've done. And, and it's always process over product. Let me just say that out loud. But, but product creation, actually creating something to demonstrate what they've learned or what they know, that's not a bad idea. It doesn't always have to be a worksheet or a test on paper. A kid is more likely to show you the depth of their knowledge through their ability to apply. So I think this idea of product creation, it doesn't have to be a full-blown PBL for you to implement that idea. That is a small part of PBL that you can begin to implement um, moving forward so that you're starting to kind of um, get them to that place. All right, number four, curiosity. Um, this is something that I think our kids sometimes lose. It's a big conversation in education right now. And I think curiosity is something that's always there. Um, it's like a little spark, but it has to be ignited. And so I think we can ignite curiosity 
by asking our learners, what do you want to know about, right? What do you want to learn about? Um, in, in one of the emails that I sent out recently, I talked about how you could, it, it could be as simple as using a picture from um, Unsplash. If you haven't seen Unsplash, it is a beautiful place. It's a beautiful website with images, um, just so many ways you could use that in the classroom. But on Unsplash, taking one of those images and having it up in your LMS for your at-home learners or up on your projector for your in-class learners and just asking them to make predictions about what you're going to be learning about that day, asking them what they notice, what they wonder. You guys can imagine when was the last time a high school student was asked a question like that, right? What do you notice? What do you wonder? And that's not that's not to say anything negative about uh, high school teachers or as they get older. We just get focused on our content and we are responsible responsible for so much, whether you're elementary, middle school, or high school, we're so responsible for content and the things that we have to do that sometimes this gets pushed to the side. And again, I'm talking from my own experience and what happened in my classroom. And so I had to learn to value that again. And it was, it was, you know, in that kind of second part of my career, when I realized, you know, curiosity really is what results in that willingness to invest that I talk so often about, which is what engagement is. Um, but to get to that willingness to invest, we have to ignite curiosity. So not a bad idea. Number five, I had to count real quick. I was like, I don't even know what number I'm, at. I'm on. That's how long I talked. Um, making connections. So asking your learners to share how what they're learning in the classroom can connect to their life beyond the classroom. This is a big deal. It's, it's important for our kids to be able to do this. One of the things that I say a lot is that we have to connect to their right now right? You can't say you're going to need this in 10 years because when you say that, they think, uh, okay, or maybe you're going to need this in two years or maybe you're going to need this in three months. If you say that to this generation of kids, they instantly think, okay, well, I'll YouTube it or I'll Google it when I need it. I don't really need you to tell me right now. So we have to encourage those connections. Now, what I want to say is I don't think that it's your responsibility as the educator to always make those connections for them. I think it's a much better idea to challenge them to make those connections. I, I think I've shared on the podcast before, but I love the idea of having kids share, uh, you know, keep a streak going. They're very used to that conversation because of uh, their social media usage that keep these streaks going between each other. And I love the idea of challenging them to every time that you log into the LMS or every time we connect, I want you to be able to tell me how you use what we did yesterday in your real life or how did you connect it? How did you see something maybe on your drive or at home or in your conversation with your parents or while you were watching a movie, whatever. And every time that they can tell you that they keep their streak going. But the first time they say, oh, you know what? I forgot to connect it or I don't really know that I saw a way to connect it they lose their streak. So when you're doing that, you're encouraging that um, one of the eight C's of engagement, which is competition, um, you're also challenging them and you're helping them make connections. So many things happening there. Um, so definitely something to, to put in place. Number six, authentic audiences. Uh, this generation, they're used to sharing with an audience, right? They're not used to doing something for one person. A lot of times when they are on their phones or they're creating um, their TikToks or whatever it is that they're doing, they're doing that for an audience. So being able to share their learning or explain their learning to someone else, that's important and something we should often provide the opportunity for them to do. I'm not saying always. I'm just saying I do think that it's okay to sometimes be able to say, hey, who could you 
share this with or who else might be interested in seeing what you've created? This kind of goes hand in hand with product creation, right? Once you've created something, who do you think might be interested in seeing that or who could give you the best feedback on that product? All right, we're getting close, y'all. Number seven, essential questions. Encouraging your kids to develop essential questions as a class before exploring a particular concept, idea, or standard. Um, I'm a big fan of QFT. If you haven't heard of that, do yourself a favor and Google it. Um, writequestion.org is the website you're looking for. And they actually have this technique called QFT. It's question formulation technique. And it's just this way of helping kids come up with questions and um, it kind of plays into curiosity, right? But then if you if you um, have done any, if you spent any time in gifted education or you've heard presentations on gifted education, you may have heard of something called um, depth and complexity uh, from Sandra Kaplan. And so the depth and complexity icons, um, one of those is, um, well, one's unanswered questions, but another one is big idea. And so this idea of essential questions is getting your kids beyond that surface level learning that we often do in education and really getting them to go deeper and understand how this connects. What does this mean? And essential questions aren't easy. I think as you start to look into those, if you're not already doing them in your classroom, they're hard. Essential questions are if I'm honest with you, they're hard for me to come up with sometimes, but it's definitely a way to help your learners start to understand why whatever it is that they're learning is important. And it can play a big role eventually in project-based learning uh, because essential question kind of gives the purpose for whatever it is that you're doing. And, and obviously that's a good idea. <laughs> All right. Number seven, Real world. Gosh, that's almost in every definition of PBL. And so I like this idea of relating what is being learned to the real world. Um, this is very close to connections, but I think this is where you can bring in things like pop culture or you can bring in things that are happening around them, helping them be aware of their surroundings and what's going on in the real world not necessarily just make a good connection to their home or just make a good connection to something that they see, but really how they can impact what is happening in the world. And that actually takes us to um, number nine. I don't know if I said number eight or number seven before. I probably got off on my numbering, but it's okay. Everything in me wants to re-record this whole podcast, but I'm not. <laughs> um, number nine is encouraging empathy. So, so I, this is so important for, for this for really all of us, right? To really learn how to practice kindness right now. Um, we're not we're not doing that well. And I think that kindness in and of itself is really a life-ready skill. Um, I'm just gonna say that out loud. I, I'd talk about it as a life-ready skill because I think that it's something that our learners have to practice. They have to see, they have to be encouraged to um, put it into place as often as possible. So how can we take whatever it is that they're learning and encourage empathy through that? So, so asking them to use what they've learned to create change or make an impact on the world around them, right? This plays into the whole genius hour idea. I know that. And so I'm kind of sneaking it in there, but I think that it, um, it makes sense with so much of what we're doing. You know, how can we use what we learned in class today to impact our community or to create a change here on our campus? Or how could this help us as far as what we're experiencing right now or what you know that someone else is experiencing? So using their learning for good and being able to do something with that, I love that idea. So let's go through these one more time um, so that you can kind of 
let it marinate and reflect on this yourself. Um, but again, I'm going to link to the blog post and that graphic is there. So you guys will have access to all of these. Um, number one is outside experts. Number two, reflection. Number three, product creation. Number four, curiosity. Number five is connections. Number six is an authentic audience. Number seven, essential questions. Number eight, real world. And number nine, encourage empathy. So those are just nine small baby steps that I think that you can take to do what we talked about at the beginning of this podcast. And that is starting small to cultivate a PBL mindset into your classroom culture. I would love to hear what you guys think about those ideas. If it's something you think you could implement, or maybe if you just choose to do one, like, you know what, I think I'm going to do reflection. I would love for you to comment over on my blog at andymcnair.com, or you can always just contact me, send me an email. It's always cool to get to hear what you guys are doing and how you're making these things a reality with your learners, whether they are in class or they are at home. Um, There's going to be some more podcasts coming up soon. Spoiler alert on PBL. I'm really excited about this. Going to have some guests on. Um, I'm really looking forward to some things that are coming in the future. So um, whether you use this graphic that is in this blog post as a tic-tac-toe board, right? I love the idea of challenging teachers to, hey, see if you can do three in a row or see if you can get a blackout or encouraging your kids, right? Using it with your students and saying, hey, figure out which ones that you would really like to um, put in place. How could you use these ideas with your learning? Again, I say this often, but we want them to be in the driver's seat and we want to be in the passenger seat. And so that kind of puts them there and gives them that opportunity to make some choices and think through what this could look like from their perspective. So again, PBL Baby Steps, you guys check it out. All of the resources will be in the show notes. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm so glad you were here today. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to learn with me today. I absolutely love this community and enjoy sharing and learning with you. Check out today's episode notes by swapping up in most podcast apps. If you'd like to learn and connect more, you can follow me over on Twitter at McNairAN3, and you can find me on Instagram and Facebook at A Meaningful Mess. You can always find tons of resources, inspiration, and information over on my website, andymcnair.com. Be sure to check out my blog, Genius Hour resources, and so much more. Enjoy the rest of your day, and as always, I hope that today's episode has inspired you to find meaning in your mess.